dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. October is Monster Month here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, and this week's monster is Frankenstein. Well, technically, Frankenstein's monster, but whatever. We're going to listen to the version done by Suspense. Author Mary Shelley started writing the story when she was 18, and the first edition of the novel was published anonymously in London in 1818, when she was 20 years old. Her name first appeared in the second edition, published in France in 1823. Shelley was traveling through Europe in 1814 and had a stop that was within miles of Frankenstein's castle, where, two centuries before, an alchemist lived. Later, she was in Switzerland with her future husband, Percy Shelley and Lord Byron and John Polidori. They decided to have a competition to see who could write the best horror story. Shelley dreamt about a scientist who created life and was horrified by what he had made. And thus, Frankenstein was born, or should we say, created. The 1931 movie starring Boris Karloff was a hit with both audiences and critics. The film was followed by multiple sequels and has become arguably the most iconic horror film in history. So, time for... Frankenstein from Suspense from November of 1952. Does it follow the original book? Is that a good thing? Is it horror or is it just a metaphor for moral dilemmas and the existence of God? Well, that's what we're here to find out. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music and listen to the voices. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. Herbert Marshall in tonight's presentation of Suspense. Tonight, Autolite presents a new radio adaptation of one of the most famous suspense stories ever written, Mary Godwin Shelley's Frankenstein. Our star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. mend my fences if it's not the senator. How's it look for you, Senator? Uh, <clears throat> uh, going to cast your ballot tomorrow, Harlow? Why, Senator, I'd no more forget to vote than forget to winterize my car. And now's the time to do it. Get the oil and grease changed, put in antifreeze, inspect the battery cable. And check the spark plugs, too. Right, Johnny Plug Check. The spark plugs are the very heart of your car's ignition system. And when they're right, your chances of starting, even in coldest weather, are better than ever. Well, I'll visit my Autolite spark plug dealer, Harlow. Do that, Senator, because he's the expert on cleaning and adjustment. And if replacements are needed, he'll recommend those world-famous ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs, either standard or resistor type. To quickly learn the location of your nearest Autolite spark plug dealer, phone Western Union by number and ask for Operator 25. And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite presents transcribed... 
Frankenstein, starring Mr. Herbert Marshall, and hoping once again to keep you in suspense. Thanks, I'll go out. Well, all right. Tell him not to get too dirty. We're supposed to play croquet with the McDonald's at five. I'll tell him. When's Elizabeth coming home? Tomorrow or, or Tuesday, I think. You both have to come over for dinner. Love to Mary. See you later. Hi. <laughs> oh, you're just in time to give me a hand. Whew. Well, these Indian summers hot, too sticky. James i got to talk to you. Well, of course. What, anything wrong? You know, you haven't looked too good for the past month or so. Something on your mind? Yes. Oh, well, then. Uh, let's go in the house. I'll get you a beer. We can talk. No, no, not in the house. Do you mind if we walk? Oh, of course not. Oh, wait a moment. I... My pipe over there. There we are. Get some rain. Hope so. I won't have to play croquet. That's not a game. James? Oh, look now, we're friends. You know you can speak to me. What's the matter? One of your patients die? You made a mistake, perhaps? No, nothing like that. Perhaps it's worse. I'm not sure. Has it anything to do with Elizabeth going away? In a way, yes. Oh. My favorite place. You know, Victor, I think of most of my sermons standing here looking across the valley. Lovely, isn't it? Got a match? Oh, thanks. Listen, I've been doing an experiment. It's very complicated. And I've almost finished. Well, that's wonderful. I think I'm a little afraid of it. I don't know. I've tried to think it out myself. I... I can't find the answer. Go on. You believe in God, don't you? Oh. I mean, because I don't go to church, you don't think that I don't believe, do you? I don't think that at all. You're a good man. I want you to promise me something. You've got to promise that you'll never breathe a word of what I'm about to tell you. You have my word. You swear? I don't usually break my word. Oh, I'm sorry. Look, I... I've made something. It's tremendous. It's impossible. But I think I've done it. And it goes against everything you believe, James. What? What have you done? I've made a... a thing. I don't understand. I put it together. Heart, brain, nerves, muscle, everything. I've done it. Now do you understand? A complete body... And you're upset because of that? You think that you've done something wrong? But you're a surgeon. What you've done will help to save a life. If you've learned more about the human body, this experiment can't be wrong. It can only do good. Oh, I shouldn't worry. Last night, I made it move. I'm not certain, but I think I can give it life. Absolute life. Now do you see why I'm afraid? I've created a man. Thank <laughs> you. 
I, uh, I'd better call Mary. She'll be worried. All right, but... Uh, I, I won't say anything. Hello, Mary? No, I'm with Victor. Now, listen, dear, I'm afraid we'll have to put off the McDonald's. Yes, I know. Well, Mary, I, I have something very important to discuss with Victor. It can't wait. Yes, dear. No, no, don't wait supper. I'll have something over here. Yes, I will. Goodbye. You don't have to see this thing if you don't want to, James. Where is it? In my lab. I had an addition built on. I'm the only one who has a key. I uh, don't say I believe what you told me, but uh, how do you know you can make it live? I mean, is it anything more than galvanic action? You'll see. I lock it. I always do. Is that the addition over there? Yes. Hmm. Dark. There aren't any windows. It's better that way. Before I show you, I want to explain. This is what started it. It was mostly an accident. One of the kids brought in his dog. It had been run over, killed. He wouldn't believe it was dead. Expected me to bring it back. I gave it a shot in the heart. And then another with this stuff. A compound I've fooled with for a long time. Yes? The dog came back to life. Just for a moment. How do you know the dog was dead? No, it was. It had been for two hours. All that happened three years ago. You've been experimenting on things ever since? Yes. It's wrong. I don't know. No, it's wrong. You've got to stay, James. What are you going to do? Try to bring it to life? I've got to. I've got to try. Then why did you come to me? I wanted to tell you. I had to tell someone you're my friend. I'm a minister. I preach and believe in the word of God. Do you want to see it? No. No, I don't, but... I must... Show you what happened last night. 
I don't want to see. I don't care. I know better. Well, listen to me, Victor. This this mustn't go on. You've got to stop it. Not yet. Not until I find out. Does Elizabeth know what you're doing? No. Why did you send her away? I didn't want her here when I made the last test. Because you're ashamed. You know it's wrong. You know what she'd think. I'm not ashamed. I think I'm a little frightened at the incredible greatness of what I've done. It's bigger than anything since the world began. If it moves, if you prove your point to me, will you will you stop then? Will you destroy it? The formulas, whatever papers you have, destroy all of it, will you? I don't know. Hand me that hypodermic, will you? No. All right. There. If I say I believe you, Victor, if... You don't have to be afraid of it. It couldn't hurt you, you know. There's only enough of this stuff to stimulate a small portion of its brain. I'm not afraid of it. I'm afraid for us all. I've never preached to you, Victor. It moved its left foot last night. Then the right. I'm going to try the arm now. Move the light over, please. Thanks. Watch carefully. It only takes a few seconds. afraid for you, for what you've done. That thing lying there, you've... You've got no right. I won't allow... What's that? What? Stethoscope. It's impossible. There wasn't enough... Mr. Herbert Marshall in Frankenstein. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Well, who's this Johnny Plugcheck who's always electioneering about spark plugs? Why, Senator, Johnny is a helpful hinter fighting old man winter. He's the blithe reminder to wise motorists that now's the time to visit your Autolite spark plug dealer to get ready for the cold, driving days ahead. Change the oil and grease, put in antifreeze, inspect the battery cable. Mm, 
And check those important spark plugs, too. Because when your spark plugs are right, your chances of starting, even in coldest weather, are better than ever. And if my Autolite spark plug dealer finds my spark plugs need replacing, Harlow... Why, if they're worn out, he'll recommend a set of the world-famous ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs, Senator. Like the amazing Autolite resistor spark plug. It's one of the greatest advancements in spark plugs for automotive use in the past 20 years. When you have a set installed in your car, you'll get double spark plug life, smoother engine performance, and quick starts, as compared to spark plugs without a built-in resistor. So, friends, visit your Autolite spark plug dealer soon. And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. Herbert Marshall in Elliot Lewis's production of Frankenstein, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. what you're doing. You can't give it a soul. No. can't give it. How do you know what I can give it? I've given it life, haven't I? It sees. It breathes. Moves. Perhaps hears. Yes. Does it hear? Look. Did you see that? It blinked. The head jerked. It hears. It's aware of sound. Does it feel pain? Don't, Victor. It's not an animal. You formed it like a man. Give it the dignity of one. I won't let you do that to it. I've gone this far, James. Put down the scalpel. What are you going to prove by that? I think you must be mad. I don't interfere with your work, James. Why? There's someone at the door. Yes. I think I'd better strap it down on the table. Forget your promise, will you? I'm sorry I gave my word. I'm sorry you ever told me about this. I feel I'm as guilty as you are now. Well, whatever took you so long? Hello, James. Hello, Elizabeth. Darling, I tried to call from the station, but the line's out of order. Oh, I'm sorry, dear. Did you have a nice time? Lovely. Everybody sends their love. That's good. <laughs> what have you two been up to? How's Mary, James? Oh, very well, thank you. <laughs> what a fine pair of sobersides you are. What did you do, darling? Break one of my good dishes? I knew I shouldn't have left you alone. Well, what are we standing in the hall for? Let's go with Elizabeth, the Elizabeth, uh, uh, I must be going. Mary will be wondering, particularly if the phone's out of order. It's raining very hard. No, no, I'll be all right. You take an umbrella. There's one in the kitchen. Are you going to tell her? No. If you won't unstrap it from the table, will you? Not yet. All right, I'll try to come back later. I want to think. About what? 
You've changed since you came to see me this afternoon. You really don't care what I think now, do you? I suppose not. Thanks anyway, James. Are you going to let it live? That's funny from you. Have I the right to kill it? You've already done something you had no right to do. Something that you don't even understand. The creation of man isn't your job, it isn't mine. Oh, I know your bright scientific mind's laughing Here's at me. Here's the umbrella, James. But I wish you'd wait until the storm blows over. No, I, I really must get back. Thank you, Elizabeth. I'll, I'll return it tomorrow. Uh, goodbye. Well, what's the matter with him? Have you been arguing religion again, Victor? No, dear. Look, I'm doing a little work in the lab. It's rather important. Do you mind? What is going on, Victor? There's something. No, dear, nothing at all. There isn't. I know there is. What's the matter? Nothing, dear, really. I, I've got to get back to work now.
it's a noise upstairs. What? What's happened to you? Who broke the window? The window. Oh, Victor. What's the matter, dear? What's happened? Did you see anyone? No. Did someone break in? Elizabeth, don't ask me any questions. Just do what I ask. Get your coat on. But why? I'm taking you over to the Gibsons. I want you to stay there. Oh, why? Why? What is it? Oh, Victor, please. I can't. I can't tell you about it now. You may have to stay there all night. Hurry, please. to call the police. No, they'll shoot it. I don't want that. It's just frightened, that's all. Oh, being a fool, Victor. Do you realize what it means? That thing roaming about the country? What about the children, everybody in the village? I'm going to get the police. No, please, James. Give me a chance to find it first. Then what? You do a few more experiments, give it speech, perhaps, and it happens again. It's mine. I made it. I'm not thinking of that now. It's Mary and your wife. We don't even know where it is. If it wants to kill, how do you know where it will start? All right. Just give me an hour. Let me try to find it before we call the police. If I do, I'll take it back and destroy it myself. Do you give me your word? Yes. All right. I'll go with you. Thanks, James. I'll get my rifle. Do you have a gun? Yes. But I'm not going to use it unless it... Yes, unless... That's why I'll take mine. Shan't be marked. It's getting dark. Where do you think it might have gone? It's hard to tell. It's afraid of thunder. It might be hiding in the barn. The old Hamilton place? Yeah. How are you going to capture it? Have you thought of that? I brought along a hypodermic. You're not afraid anymore, are you? No. That's strange, because I am. Not of what it might do to me, but because of the fact that I've seen it. I I know it exists. There's the barn. If it's in there, there's no way out the back way. It was boarded up, wasn't it? Yes. I'll go in. Wait out here, will you? No, I'm coming with you. No. If it's in there, if it tries to escape... Shoot it as it comes out. Don't take the chance. It won't let you get near. I'm going to try. Thanks, James. I lied. I'm afraid. He was in here hiding, waiting for me. I'm afraid. Should have destroyed it. James was right. What's the matter with this flashlight? Wet. Ah, that's better. What's that? In the corner. It's going to be all right. You'll hardly feel this. It won't hurt.
not sure. I might have hit it. I don't know. It's gone. Yes, are you? Victor. Victor. consciousness again. Outside, I looked for the thing I'd shot at, but there was no sign of it. I returned to the lab and burnt every paper, destroyed every single evidence of Victor Frankenstein's terrible experiment. But the result of that experiment has never been found, nor have I been able yet to convince the authorities that such a thing ever existed. Presented by Autolite, tonight's star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for Autolite, world's largest independent manufacturer of automotive electrical equipment. Autolite is proud to serve the greatest names in the industry. They are members of the Autolite family, as well as other 98,000 Autolite distributors and dealers in the United States and thousands more in Canada and throughout the world. Our family also includes the nearly 30,000 men and women in 28 great Autolite plants from coast to coast and Autolite plants in many foreign countries, as well as the 18,000 people who have invested a portion of their savings in Autolite. Every Autolite product is backed by constant research and precision built to the highest standards of quality and performance. So remember, from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. Next week, a story based on fact, terrifying in its truth. The dramatic report of a man returning home to find he now lives in a frightened city. Our star, Mr. Frank Lovejoy. The program will be heard on Suspense. Tonight's story was adapted for Suspense by Anthony Ellis. Suspense is transcribed and directed by Elliot Lewis. Music was written by Lucian Morlick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. That was Frankenstein from Suspense here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And this is Monster Month. Uh, we've done The Mummy. That was last week from Quiet Please. This week we turn to Frankenstein and the monsters we picked are all the traditional universal movie monsters, but uh, they're the greatest and the best, so there. <laughs> um Lots of Frankensteins to choose from. Lots and lots and lots. It's been adapted, well, as we know, many ways, many shapes, many forms. Probably the most long-lasting is that 1931 film with Boris Karloff that kind of set the stage for everything after that. Uh, the thing with Frankenstein that uh, everybody who adapts it struggles with is, are we going down the universal path or are we going down the Mary Shelley path? Uh, in other words, are we going to do it like the book? Are we going to do it like that great movie? Both have merits. I'm interested to hear what you two prefer. Um, I know it might sound 
blasphemous to say, you know, Mary Shelley's book's pretty boring, actually. It's just a lot of talking talk talk. Oh, boy, Eric. <laughs> I, I like a lot of the book, but it is a, it's a purple prose, not the, yes. won't meet the expectations of if you are thinking of the movie at all. Right. The things that make the movie iconic are not from the book. Essentially, this the, episode takes the thematic ideas from Shelley's mm-hmm, novel mm-hmm. and then tries to somehow make them work in the sort of universal horror Frankenstein model. I'm not sure that it's completely successful at that, but I think that was the intention. Yes, I think it does mix some of the the long-winded morality along with the let's cut to the chase and have, <laughs> have a giant monster chase some people around and throw a little girl into a lake. I think one of the problems and what I have so much respect for is the idea of how are you going to do this in Less than 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think if someone gave me that task, I I would, first of all, panic and then struggle. And then how are we going to do this? How are we going to get the essence of this story across this classic piece of literature and this classic piece of pop culture phenomenon across in 30 minutes and tackle all these thoughts and ideas and make it interesting, suspenseful, scary? Mm -hmm. It is suspense. It needs to... Not dwell too far on people just sitting around with pipes going, yes, well, <laughs> are you God? I don't know if you can create life. We can't do yeah. that for too long. Can't but we? it did. <laughs> <laughs> this is suspense. So it is expertly done. The cast is great. We've got Paul Freeze as the monster, right? Yes. And we, uh, Herbert Marshall and Mr. Wilson. Uh, yes. Joseph Kearns is Dennis the, the Menace's next door Reverend neighbor. James. Yep. Uh, who's a great rep. I want to go to his church because he off- he immediately tries to offer Victor Frankenstein a beer mm-hmm. and he says croquet is asinine. And I'm like, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Explain to our audience again who may not know Paul Freese. Uh, Paul Freese is the man of a thousand voices. Uh, he mm-hmm. did a lot of stuff for Escape, a lot of the mm-hmm. intro stuff for Escape, and we recently talked to him. Uh, talked about to him. him. <laughs> we had a seance yesterday, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, we talked about him uh, in the context of an Escape episode called Love mm-hmm. Comes to Professor Gildia, where he played a parrot. <laughs> I, it, it, I was struck by, like, oh, we need someone to breathe heavily and make noises let's get the best guy in the business get freezing here see and that's the thing about suspense is you know technically that's what they would do they would just do the very best and they could have recorded a sleeping dog and had about the same impact but no they got the best (laughs) (laughs) they do some great audio stuff where we see in the classic universal monster Frankenstein, when the monster comes alive we have people shrieking he's alive he's alive but here in suspense we just get this quiet breathing we have the ultimate life sound effect and that's really eerie i really i really love it when frankenstein just starts breathing it's that kind of small thing you can do on radio that you couldn't make in a film i love very much in this the moment when the monster comes to life yeah uh, that's the winning moment I think. it is a huge moment i love the breathing and the heartbeat i for the most part enjoyed this but i get the sense that a little too slow for you joshua This reminded me of the current debate in superhero movies, right? Everyone knows these origins. So in the most recent Spider-Man movie, they, I think, rightly just decided, let's skip the origin. We've done two reboots of Spider-Man in the last 15 years. And I think the problem with this script is that it decides to make all sorts of suspense, non-existent suspense, out of Victor Frankenstein creating life, which every listener already knows. 
since this is an episode of suspense, I'm being a total obnoxious armchair writer right now. <laughs> I think it would be much better to have started with this monster already created or it's the opening moments. And I am a fan of the book. I think if you're going to turn this into a suspense episode, you do the sort of cat and mouse game from the book of Frankenstein being a, being smart right. and a shrewd, cunning villain. I mean, Frankenstein's monster, that is. Um, in the book, he's just killing all of Victor Frankenstein's friends and loved right. ones. Spoilers, everybody. Um, <laughs> and so I think it becomes this cat and mouse game between the monster and his creator. And that, to me, would translate really well into 30 minutes of suspense. Here, there are no stakes. It almost seems like it's a 1950s uh, moral judgment. The only one who dies is Victor Frankenstein, who dared to be God. And that's right. it. You, what you're saying is he could have come to the preacher and said, guess what's alive? And started there. Yeah. And then he comes and shows him and says, oh, my God, what have you done? In the book, the sort of uh, philosophical discussions take place between Victor Frankenstein and the monster. So I, I like the theological discussions. Frankenstein and this monster in the book talks about, like, I'm your failed Adam. Mm -hmm. I've turned into a fallen angel. So it's all there, but it, mm -hmm. it gets a little boring when it's just the reverend and Victor Frankenstein. The choice of having to make, of not having to, but choice of making Victor so reserved is really contrary to many presentations of the Doctor as being this tormented, driven, obsessed, which those elements are in the character of this performance. But they're not in the story. We don't see why yeah. he would be tormented Yeah, he, anything. He seems to be motivated just by, I think I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good, Mon. Isn't that good enough? Uh, and I think I, it's I, contemporary from what I'm was, understanding. I keep using phones, which yeah, I'm like, and it's in a village, this? and that seems kind of odd. It has this cozy sense, which seems wrong for Frankenstein, because even at one point he says to his wife Elizabeth, "I'm going to just send you over to the Gibsons tonight," and it just seems like you, know, <laughs> you need some this, like, like I said, this the stakes are non-existent. Humor me in my ignorance. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I read the novel. Does Victor Frankenstein? die at the hands of the monster in the novel i don't think he does does he no no yeah i didn't think so doesn't he end up chasing the monster across the planet yeah he eventually gets rescued by a ship he's pulled out of yeah the yeah arctic and he may die at the end i can't remember it's been a while he may die but it's just from exhaustion or exposure the monster does not kill him the monster ends up killing himself he, he realizes once he sees that his creator right. has died that i am an enemy to humanity and he just floats off on an iceberg that's right <laughs> singing so no, my question <laughs> is, what do we think of them in this adaptation in 30 minutes saying you're going to kill victor the creature doesn't have much character in this as far as what he wants, what he's going to do. Um, yeah, he's clearly just an innocent creation and doesn't have any actual intellect or feelings. Obviously, in the book, she's doing a parallel of the fall of man. Frankenstein's monster is created and immediately starts doing evil, terrible things, even though you also see the monster as a victim. Right. I mean, the body count is just really high. Everyone who Victor Frankenstein <laughs> has ever cared about dies at the hands of this monster. Right. And he's clever and he frames people for the murders. He's just not a nice monster. <laughs> <laughs> you notice they, um, they call him Victor. They never call him Frankenstein. You notice you never hear the word Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, you know, I didn't notice that. I have no idea why. I could not figure out what the motivation was. It could be, oops, 
<laughs> forgot to write the actual word Frankenstein in the script. No, but, I think that had to be intentional. But why then? You know, like that's an interesting, maybe not to, so that it's not so associated with all the other works of it. It might be the aspect of the, of modernizing it that if you hear the name Frankenstein, it's going to make you think of mm-hmm. that time period. In a way. Right. Yeah, I think they wanted you to feel that this could happen now. There was this really great radio play moment with no narration at all as the monster is destroying the lab, breaks through the window or the door, whatever it is, we don't know, and leaves. It's about 30 seconds, and there's nobody going... Then the monster grabbed the chair and threw it at me. And then he, there's nothing. It's just noise and a little gasp here and there. And then he's out. And yet I saw it all. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. You know, the sound is really good. I yeah. thought it was a fantastic scene and scary. At the beginning of that same scene, another great theater of the mind moment where uh, Victor sees the monster for the first time. And instead of describing him, just goes, I wish I'd finished the face. And yes, and then you all get to imagine yeah, how yeah, unfinished this face is, and that's fantastic too. I was trying to track: did the monster escape through a window? And if so, bad for them because at the very top they set up this room has no windows. Uh huh. It is glass breaking. I think that's all his vials and mad scientist uh, glassware. Uh, that's really expensive to replace. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope mad scientist a- glassware. I didn't have monster insurance. Damn it. <laughs> Before we get to the vote, uh, I just want to point out that the kid playing Johnny Plugcheck got a sweet <laughs> VO gig. Oh, I can't believe we have not mentioned Johnny Plugcheck. Oh, that is a great voiceover gig. Yeah. And check the spark plugs, too. And then he's done. He called it a day. What would have been brilliant is if at the very end, Frank had decided to come back and thrown Johnny Plugcheck <laughs> into a lake. <laughs> <laughs> Check your spark plugs on the side of your neck, mister. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I didn't know that it was Paul Fries that got by me, but I did write, I love the voice of the grunting of Frankenstein. And when I hear it's Paul Fries, I'm like, well, yeah, he really is quite talented. And he he? was trying to do a very subdued, too. He wasn't trying to do Boris Karloff. Well, let's, let's take a vote on this unless someone's got something really important to say. Joshua? I am impressed by what suspense can do with a script that doesn't really work. I know that sounds like a backhanded compliment, but I mean, this tells you why suspense is sort of the king of this type of radio. My personal opinion is that the script is a disaster structurally for building suspense, but the performances, the Foley, Johnny Plugcheck, (laughs) 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 it still interested me to listen to it, even though the whole time I was like, this isn't working. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I wasn't bored. I don't think it stands the test of time, but not out of a, a, an issue of date or that it feels old timey. It feels like a miscalculation that people did the best with that they could. And it's fascinating that Suspense decided to tackle Frankenstein in 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a feat. I come to a similar conclusion. Listening to the top of it, I was really having a hard time with it. The discussion between James and Victor was... So sort of vaguely implying stakes without ever really having them, that any time they would throw out something that sounded vaguely funny to me, it made it overpowered the story. Like at one point, I think Victor says, I don't come to where you work. I mean, he's like <laughs> treating like a heckler. Like, I don't interrupt you when you're doing your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. And, and when he says, I made a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I 
hope you use the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, almost in the moment where James's voice trails off and you start to hear that breathing, the whole thing gets really good right there. So it redeemed itself for me in basically the second half. I really enjoyed it. Here's where I'm going to uh, get a lot of people maybe not respecting me, but I don't like the Mary Shelley Frankenstein. I'm not a big fan of it. I get it. I think it's more of a philosophical book. I know it's considered the first science fiction, and it should be. And I know it's considered a classic, and it should be. And it's well-written. I'm not saying it's a terrible book. I'm saying it's not something that, oh, yeah, I want to reread that again and again. You know, and as you guys know, I'm very simple in in my entertainment. (laughs) I love the universal 1931 Frankenstein Mm -hmm. a lot. And they did. They cut to the chase. We brought life and it and life killed and it ran around like a monster and we had pitchforks and torches and it had bolts in its neck and it was green and it was fantastic. That being said, that's what I love. That's what I want to watch uh, is action, (laughs) not talking. And I loved the action of this. I love the scene where he's made brought to life. I like the terror of the actors, the preacher. And Victor, I, I, I like when he trashes the room. And I thought there was just enough discussion of the moral dilemma. I loved how the preacher talked about what, you, what you're doing. Do you understand how terrible it is what you're doing? I love that they hit on that. And the terror of the preacher of what you have done and mm-hmm. what it means to uh, my religion, <laughs> to <laughs> mankind, to everything. You know, you can hear his head going... <laughs> Right. Like there's a great moment, too, where he says to Victor, I've never preached to you. Like he's saying, like, seriously, (laughs) this is extenuating circumstances. (laughs) You are doing a bad thing. I just thought that in 30 minutes, they hit everything that was important and uh, and did it uh, pretty well. I would say out of the other Frankensteins that I perused a little bit, uh, a lot of which I gave up on uh, (laughs) 10 minutes in some of the other radio. I went, no, no. Not enough, you know, giant boots and stomping around. (laughs) (laughs) I have to to put in my my vote for my favorite Frankenstein monster representation was Rory Kinnear in Penny Dreadful. I don't know if either of you guys ever saw it. No. But it's awesome. It's both he's the poetic, sort of fully intelligent, very cunning, and super violent. It's awesome. (laughs) Young Frankenstein. Fair enough. Fair enough. Is... (laughs) So fantastic. Uh, I'm so sorry the actor's name is... Peter Boyle. Yeah, Peter Boyle. God, really my second favorite Frankenstein ever. <laughs> so this comes in third. Yeah, it's, it's, I would say this is one of my top five Frankenstein adaptations. I do say, though, that if they continued down this for an hour, I'd probably check out. For 30 minutes, I thought it was great fun. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody, to Monster Month. If you'd like to learn more, please go to ghoulishdelights.com. You'll find other episodes of this podcast, and you'll find information about live performances we do. Because, for example, we're going to be at the James J. Hill Center performing a live version of Dracula at the end of this month, this month being October, in case you're listening to this at some other time. In 2017. Yeah. In case this is like the future. 2064. <laughs> We're putting all these podcasts in a time capsule. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think the internet is? <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> hey, speaking of the internet, you could also go to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love it. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. It could just be podcast good. <laughs> that would work <laughs> just fine. <laughs> Do you work on these before you come in here? I think they'd be a little better if I did. <laughs> <laughs> so no. 
All right, what do we got next? Uh, we continue Monster Month. Uh, it's here. me. Uh, the next one is going to be The Werewolf. Yes. Werewolf. Uh, from Dark Fantasy, we're doing W is for Werewolf. Until then. Look out! And check those important spot plugs, too!